Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms. We are back with another guest-filled episode. I am Damien Donnelly and I would like to begin today's show by thanking those magnificent shining stars who added the sparkle to last week's show. Anka Spice, Sarah Connor, Rory DeBarra, Jane Doherty, Kevin Bateman, Eileen DePuerre, Catherine Ann Cullen and Ashlyn Keogh. Please, if you can, take some time to check out their work, read their words or maybe even buy a book or two of theirs. Or watch a video or listen to them when they do a Zoom or a Facebook Live or an open mic. These are the days where voices need platforms and platforms need peeps in order to supply the applause. We are living in a time when we need as much connection as possible while taking care not to risk going out too much, too often, in too big a crowd. So I hope that somehow this podcast can allow us to feel that we can be one big, huge, enormous, love-filled group of connected, extraordinary individuals. Embraced as much for our differences as we are for our consideration of a common desire to come together. Today's show is going to be no different than the previous, as I am thrilled to say that I'm going to be joined by a group of fellow hoglets. Yes, today on the show we have some of the poets from the Hedgehog Poetry Press, where my debut collection, Eat the Storms, was published just last week. The Hedgehog Poetry Press, of course, was created by a wonderful rock star that is Mark Davidson, and we are all indebted to him. In between the guests today, I'll be sharing some of more of my own poetry. I'll be talking about how wonderful each featured poet is, of course, and letting you know about a very special book coming out at the end of October, which would be the perfect Christmas stocking filler, and all the money will be going to one fantastic Irish charity. But more on that later. For now, let's get on with the show. And to kick the show off, I'm going to start by reading a poem from Eat the Storms. This is a poem of hope called The Purple Petal. Lather us in lazy. Let us lick honey from purple petals. Let us lay down dreams upon the velvet of a plump peach. Slip us into a dream of sleep where language is lulled into a lake of stilled thought that tickles tongue upon first taste with the truth of who we are. Where we shed red thorns that have twisted flesh and bequeath our blues to the bed at the bottom to form a base as we rise in a garden of purple pride. Honey pouring from our once starved lips. (laughs) 
Okay, it's time for our very first guest. This writer's current collection is called Psychopathogen and it is an examination of the current climate under COVID seen from various sectors of society. Each poem a different voice, all trying to make their way through these difficult times. He is a narrative poet and admits himself that his aim is to speak directly and economically to the audience. I read his previous collection, also published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press this weekend, entitled Sadage. When you get to the line, the quiet sound of gnawing, you touch what is so precious about this collection. Its ability to come close to a hope that cannot be completely held. And yet the collection never tips into overindulgent. It is not sentimental, but an acknowledgement of the truth, which can be a difficult pill to swallow, especially in these days where he admits Google is God. It really is a superb collection and its cast of fragile but beautifully drawn characters are lying, waiting for you to read them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Nigel Kent. Hello, I'm Nigel Kent, author of a collection of poetry entitled Sadage and a chapbook about life during lockdown entitled Psychopathogen. I'm going to read three poems, two from my collection and one from my chapbook. Though I'm retired now, my working life was spent in education. Many of my poems are inspired by the children I met and the colleagues I worked with. The first poem is entitled Cursed and explores the situation of our most able pupils in some schools. Cursed. In the corridor, he will not overtake the hard boys from the estate who'll spray abuse at him and though he'll rub and scrub the stain always remains, marking him, the geek, the freak, who hides in the darkest corners of the schoolyard, shivering with the timid and the tense, their backs towards the fence, invisible to duty teachers, who shield steaming tea from misdirected missiles, and wait for lessons to begin again, in which he'll coast in neutral through the work they set. The fast lane learner, who never idles while the others need push starting. The boy who has the answer before the question's asked. The boy who knows he's gifted, but believes he's cursed. The second poem is called Staff Room Gorilla. And I suppose it conveys the plight of those colleagues unable to move with the times. Staff Room Gorilla. I lurk in the shadows at the back, behind a barricade of unmarked books, armed with an arsenal of incendiary remarks to stop our new head teacher in her tracks. The last pocket of resistance to her classroom rev revolution that cannot be conscripted to her cause. I aim my asides with a sniper's resolution rejoicing at each falter and each fall, always hoping I'll succeed in securing her surrender, but knowing it's unlikely and I'll fail. For she battles through each setback, growing stronger with each skirmish, 
supported by the quislings on the staff. I can't deny the fact that soon she'll wipe me out as she does seditious scribbling on the board. Thirty years just swept away by a troop of willing cleaners with new brooms. I'm going to finish with a poem from Psychopathogen, which attempts to document the effects of these extraordinary times on ordinary people. I wrote this poem in response to the official government guidance to employers, which states that they should take every possible step to facilitate employees working from home. You are through to the office of mum and dad. Unfortunately, all our direct lines are busy right now. Current wait time is approximately 60 minutes. For an automated response to your query, press 1 for menu and meal times. Press 2 for help with home lessons. Press 3 for entertainment restrictions. Press 4 for advice about difficulties with siblings. Press 5 if you have a fever and a cough. For all other inquiries, press 6. Leave your name and number and we'll ring back when available. Thanks for calling the office of Mum and Dad, where parenting is our priority. For the latest family news and events, including arrangements for Grandad's funeral, check our Facebook page. Thanks very much for listening. Our next guest is not only a writer of poetry, novels and short stories, she is also a tutor at the Writers' Bureau. Patricia M. Osborne's current collection is called Taxis Bacata, published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press in July of this year. When you open this collection, you immediately step into the forest. Far from the concrete distractions of chaotic cities, and you are gifted with magic beneath the yew tree as you sit back on the grass and watch the sky ballet begin as triangular wings beat in unison. Come to me, the forest sings, and the journey is well worth it. Patricia knows how to ground us, enchant us, and when to carry us off into the sky to soar. Patricia admitted to me recently that she needed to write as much as she needed to breathe. So, take a seat and see why. This is Patricia M. Osborne, a Liverpudlian in West Sussex. I'd like to thank Damien for inviting me over onto his podcast to read out three of my poems. The first couple come from my debut poetry pamphlet, Taxis Bacata, which was published in July this year by the Hedgehog Poetry Press. And the first poem is a poetry sequence which is broken into three sections. Seagull Sequence Wrong Town Seagulls flock in snow coats above the jeweled lake, a wrong turn inland away from the sea. High amongst clouds, formations dance without sound. Flip up and down. Stop. Turn around. Split. Aim for invasion. White wings fall like tissue paper 
on rippled waves. Invasion from Brighton. Gallant geese evacuate. Driven out by snowy invaders. Seagulls squawk to claim their victory. Mottled mallard and widgeon scatter to sheltered bays. Concealed from flocks of snow-white birds that hover above the storm-kissed lake. Red-beaked moorhens felled from view bide their time for militant gulls to rocket away and evacuees return. Water harmony. Triumphant geese return to fold. Wings spread. Joyful gabble. Yellow croci spring up in green. Pink camellias cluster the circle of sun-washed water. Coots and moorhens boasting red or white beaks chug along, creating ripples. Mallard and widgeon emerge from hiding. A pure white feathered duck in tow. That was inspired by uh, three consecutive weeks um, on my local lake and um, the birds were just so accommodating. Um, I was actually in a wheelchair because I'd broken my hip and my husband was pushing me around and we looked up at the sky and saw these seagulls that just looked like they were ready to invade. And um, the next week, only the seagulls were there and all the other water life had disappeared. And I was wishing that, that when I went the next week that um, the seagulls would be gone. And sure enough, they were gone. And there was this white duck that had never appeared on the lake before uh, that came out at the end. So yeah, it was brilliant. Um, the next poem is inspired by a legend about King Arthur. Oak of Avalon. Snap. Branches creak. Foliage rustles. Sap dries in my bark. I'm sliced into circles. King Arthur's round table. Knights sit down, chew wafer-thin bread, swill blood-red wine. I am sanctuary, listening to their tales, plots for battles to win the war. Morning pinks the sky. Knights and King Arthur ride off to Cameron, leaving me alone. Stars glimmer. Water ripples. A barge drifts to shore. Young Merlin steps onto land. Arthur's crimson-stained corpse slumped in his arms. He sets the King of Camelot down. I cradle him in my hollow on the Isle of Avalon. And um, finally, for the third poem, I'd like to take out from, it's from an upcoming poetry pamphlet, um, Cupid's Arrow Poems of Love, which will be published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press in December this year. And my poem is called All I Have to Do is Dream. And um, 
this was inspired by a boyfriend I had when I was 16. So a long time ago. All I have to do is dream. My stomach ferments as you chat to glamorous girls. We're finished, I say, slinging my handbag at your head. You agree it's time to split, leaving me in pieces. All I have to do is dream spins on the record player. No more sipping cider, curling up together on the couch. No more hugs and kisses in the back row of the pictures. No one to cuddle to to keep me warm, walking in the snow and rain. Teenagers dance in pairs at the church youth club. But I stand alone, handbag close to my chest. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed um, my poetry. And I'd thank you again to Damien for inviting me to um, read it out. And um, I, I'd like to take this opportunity once again, Damien, to congratulate you on your fantastic poetry pamphlet, Eat the Storms. So thank you very much. Our next guest from the Hedgehog Poetry Press is already on her second poetry pamphlet. The first, Love is the Way the Bark Grows, was published by Half Moon Books and her latest collection from the Hedgehog Press is entitled I Have Grown Two Hearts. She is a mother and poet from Duckenfield with an MA in poetry from the Bath Spa University. Her latest collection looks at parenthood from all its beautiful, breathtaking, exhausting, exhilarating and challenging angles. This is Zoe Siobhan Howarth Lowe. Hello, my name is Zoe Siobhan Howarth Lowe. Damien has invited me to share a couple of poems with you. My first poem is one that I've chosen from my first book, Love is the Way Bark Grows, that came out with Half Moon Books last year. The poem is one for my grandma, who's no longer with us. It's called, I Should Have Brought Them Sooner. The sound of petals falling. It was the only sound that would make me take the three-minute walk to visit you in that place. The smell of Dettol creeping into me, my mouth full of the taste of it, mixed with urine and dust. The sound of petals, pink hibiscus and fat lupins. The sound of colours dripping back down the stems, running like dye into the water, stagnant in the vase. There are petals on the pavement as I walk along the avenue of white flowering trees outside the care home. I linger, listening to the way each petal strikes the stone. I let the flowers I have brought shed a few more petals, mix pink with white. I bring you flowers already wilting, flowers that will die before you do. My second poem is from my brand new book, I Have Grown Two Hearts, that came out with Hedgehog Press this year in August. And this poem is for my niece, who is an IVF baby, and it's called Ultrasound. The transformation is almost complete. An embryo suspended in amniotic fluid, swelling as we fast forward through months of tentative prenatal footage 
recorded by anxious doctors at the IVF clinic. Hold up the negative against time and watch as it changes, a microscopic expanding circle throbbing with a faint pulse, a globe encapsulating hope. See the arm as it flexes for the first time and the legs curl up, toes arching to touch the nose. Months of tests and medications, daily injections into yesterday's bruises, result in a growing bump that started as an uncertain blip on the ultrasound. Now we see a somersaulting black and white image trying to kick its way out of the photograph. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to give our guests a little break for a moment and read three poems based on my time spent living in Amsterdam because, well, that's where our next guest currently lives. So a nice little tie-in going on here. I left Ireland when I was 23 and moved to Paris and then later to London. And when I was 30, I moved to Amsterdam to work as a pattern maker at Pepe Jeans, the denim brand whose atelier was based on the Calverstraat in the centre of the city. I ended up living there for 10 years, working in various design rooms in various different companies from G-Star to Calvin Klein, living in various different apartments along the way from the east to the west and even for a year on a barge on the Leinbandsglacht to finally having my own apartment on the Footbogstraat, which was right next to the best fries in town. That meant a lot more running. This first poem that I'm going to read is called Aftelochen, which means print in Dutch. The second is a poem about my green Dutch bike with a very homely name. And the third, well, love and all that stopped for a while on the water. I found you in Amsterdam. Weet je nog, natuurlijk. Somewhere on the overtome in the summer of my slow thirties when home was a broad barge on a narrow grocht. Leinbandsgrocht it was. Weet je noch, natürlich. I wonder how deep the things we've held are carved into our core. Like all those letters you once housed that formed words. That gave way to structured sentences that someone then pressed and printed. And someone else, sitting further away, read and wondered. Or does it all fall away, natürlich? When we ourselves slip from the canal that held a barge, that housed a home where a letter press rested against the port wall, and I wondered what it once held. Veche? Natürlich nicht. She was called Erin, even in Holland. Micheline vreemd, ik weet het. Though she was greener than I ever was back then. 
with the mud of the land still caked onto her guards while I was off and running ever forward, adding guards to my guards, until I saw the earth was round when home appeared again on the horizon. Later, decked in a fur coat of fine snowflakes that clung to your form while they melted off mine, you appeared as blank canvas before a river to skate away on, like she sang once in a city that was not hers. Funny. What sinks in and what drowns? Even light can fade into the wrong water. Even water can remain on solid structures as icicles. Some things cling on while others slip away. Vreemd of Mschrimnit. Round that red bricked bridge we rode, a decade of being Dutch. How long? Igvated Vreemdok. Thinking I was only stranger and the road my home. But those were the days when the wheels spun in circles around canals that turned back on themselves. Maybe that's how we learned to come home. Spinning in circles on roundabouts on her carousel of seasons that went round and round. She was called Erin, even in Holland. Maybe the answers to all I was looking for were already there in her name. Schrinvel. Maybe some things take a cycle to sink in we moved once and habitual was your foot to my follow in debt my blush to your concern like we were the oxygen of the other at either ends of the water we swam once to the other, in crossed currents, in avoidance of those cold-blooded fish dipping their blonde hairs into the clotted canals that your darker locks turned briefly bland. The beginnings of a ballet in two parts, you the body and I the babble, Written in flame on the water. In this city that sucked itself from the sea. With its ferry crossing and connecting. As habitual to its route as I became to the curve of your spine. You were fire and I the fury. Or was I the fire and you the flight? We lit fires for a moment on the water. 
flames that found their place finally in the stars fading before fully noticed we moved once as if each was the complement to the other's jewel even if we knew that time was not the complement to the us that danced for a time as a flame on the surface of the water. If I was still there by that water, waiting for the blue ferry crossing, I would habitually dip my foot into the current to test its temperature. And after that little memory trip, we are staying put in Amsterdam. Until recently, our next guest was the co-editor-in-chief of Writer's Block, a magazine from the English department at the University of Amsterdam. His photograph, poems and prose have appeared in Peking Calf Anthology, Anti-Heroin Chic, Amaryllis, Odd Magazine and many more. Last year, this poet and I were the winners, along with Lucy Crispin, of the White Label Debut Poetry Collection from the Hedgehog Poetry Press. And his winning collection, which he wrote during health and financial issues, is now no longer a dream and is entitled Vertigo to Go and comes out on October the 1st of this year. I can't wait to read the collection, so in the meantime, I will quote our fearless leader, Mark Davidson, the creator of the Hedgehog Press, who said of this collection that it is one of the coolest collections I've read in eons. There quite literally was no choice to make when it came to publishing it. Listeners, welcome to the spotlight of the airwaves, Brendan Booth-Jones. Hello, it's Brendan Booth-Jones here. Um, I'm going to read three poems from my debut collection, Vertigo to Go, which was published about three minutes ago by the wondrous Hedgehog Poetry Press in the UK. Um, big thank you to Mark Davidson, the man behind the Hedgehog Poetry Press, for believing in my work. Um, also a huge thank you to Damien for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast and I'm an even, bi even bigger fan of your writing um, and you absolutely deserve all of the, su the success that you're currently experiencing, Damien. Uh, it's such a pleasure to see, um, you know, how much positive um, feedback you're getting from the literary community and, um, just your engagement in the community is so admirable. You're such a, an enthusiastic champion of um, of your fellow writers, and um, yeah, it's just a real a real honor to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for having me, and congrats on the release of your debut collection, Eat the Storms. My copy is currently uh, in the post; it's on its way, and I just I can't wait to read it. Um, so the first poem I'm going to read is called Ritual. It's a prose poem dedicated to a good friend of mine, Michelle, and um, it was first published in Ghost City Press. So thank you so much to the editors 
for giving this poem a home. Ritual. Hymn books held our innocence intact. A pine-scented summer camp Bible story glow. Until the acid drop, mic drop, starlessness and X. And we shredded the hymns to bits. Which seemed like some sort of rite or MTV ritual. But without the peroxided 90s angst, our damage lacked, disaffected, heroin chic, Beckingham Palace, tabloid glamour. It's true, nobody likes you when you're 23, not even you, and the paper cuts. Guilt that sliced our fingers and eyes, our tongues and throats, our speech. And we covered our wounds and fear with masks of swagger. While miles away, microplastics clogged the lungs, hacked the liver of the ancient graceful whale, navigating, navigating the lonesome southern ocean with her prehistoric celestial radar, her ancestors murmuring darkly in her huge, grieving, barnacled heart, my child, my child, beware, beware. At the house party, we plunged into the Gatorade blue infinity pool on the long street of identical McMansions just like in the movies. Your teeth were pill white, my frantic smile as wide as Buddha on speed. But later that night, even three valiums deep, the chlorine blue chemical sleep couldn't keep the big whales frightened wheezing out of my dreams. The next poem I'm going to read is called West Meadow. It's dedicated to a very dear friend of mine, Ella. Um, and this poem was originally published in Writer's Block magazine. Um, I was, uh, until very recently, the editor-in-chief of Writer's Block magazine. Um, I, I left to pursue other creative projects, but um, the new editors-in-chief and the new board are absolutely wonderful and I would highly recommend anyone listening to this podcast to um, to check out Writer's Block magazine. It's a small print and digital based magazine um, here in Amsterdam. It's been running for more than 10 years and um, it's just a, just a really great group of people who are dedicated to, to art, to literature um, and to poetry, so please check them out. This poem was published before I joined the board, and actually, it's how I um, it's how I first made contact with them. Um, so, West Meadow at a bath-worthy party, trying to avoid those who put the harm in charm. We found each other. 
that night had seemed destined to drag like bad acid, but you turned it like a volta. You led me by your silken perfume compass and half a bottle of flat champagne away from the seasick slurring ferris wheel of fun to the fragrant emptiness of the west meadow where you graced the star-silvered heather and my eyes with your presence but finally alone without the fuzzy crutch of drunken hubbub our chromosomes twisted our tongues in knots. My lips issued one misprint after a mother. At the peak of my awkwardness, not knowing what to do with my hands, I high-fived a nearby rosebush. And your laugh was a glittering rivulet. And you kissed my dough-damp hand, and our energy shimmered and rippled, and we danced beneath the genderless stars that swayed like drunk angels over the moon-washed midnight meadow. And then the third and final poem that I'm going to read is called Autumn in Amsterdam, and uh, it's dedicated to another two good friends of mine, Daniela and Shirella. And um, this one was originally published in Scarlet Leaf Review. So thank you to the editors of that journal. Autumn in Amsterdam. We picnic near the pond in Vondel Park. The light does its best impressionist impression. Day saunters into dusk. Ducks dab for morsels in the soup-thick water. Your feet curl up behind you, and to the sole of one shoe is stuck a grey plug of gum jeweled with a little rusted fishing hook and a tiny reel of hair. As if the world were trying to hook you, to stop you floating away forever, down the burning river of sky draining gold in the west. And I lay there beside you, thinking up these ridiculous lines and others that I will never publish such as how your eyes sparkle like endorphins and your lips gleam like dolphins, and so on, while you fumble with an outrageously expensive kiwi fruit. And I visit each island in the archipelago of freckles on your arm with a kiss. Now the evening air is perfumed with dew and the dank stink of weed and tourists tumble bug-eyed through golden leaves. But nature senses a coming death. Summer is a husk among the empty cans and pizza crusts. 
So why can we never return to the freshness of unknowing? The North Sea breathes her fishy, frigid breath. Another season of excess molds in the rubble. And the scene will soon be drained of color. So come closer and let's push the end of the poem back a little further. Well, those were my three poems from Vertigo to Go, which will be available in bookstores on the 1st of October. Um, I have some copies for pre-sale um, on, on my website, um, brendanboothjones.com. Um, but just, I wanted to say again, thank you so much, Damien, um, for having me on here. It's, it's really wonderful to be a, a part of such a vibrant community of, of poets and artists. Um, and thank you so much. And I, I can't wait to read your book, basically. <laughs> Our next guest is the youngest poet of this podcast, but make no mistake, this poet knows how to use the pen. From Yorkshire in England, she has been writing since she can remember free-form poetry and prose, often regarding her experience with love, relationship and mental health. Her debut collection, coming from the Hedgehog Poetry Press, is entitled Seasons, a delicate celebration of temporal connections. Please welcome to Each of the Storms the already incredible Katie Proctor. Hi, my name is Katie Proctor and in August 2020 Hedgehog Poetry Press published my debut poetry collection called Seasons and Damien has very kindly invited me onto his amazing podcast Eat the Storms to read a few poems from my collection so I'd really like to share some of those with you today. Um, a little bit about the book before I start. Um, this book is a book about love and relationships both platonic, romantic, familial, all kinds of different relationships and my experiences within them. Um, so this, this book kind of encapsulates all, all the experiences I've had in the past, both positive and negative, and it's kind of a memoir, I suppose, in a way, um, with a few messages that I'd kind of like to share with the listeners. So um, yeah, I really hope you enjoy these pieces. This one is called Firsts, and the title is kind of self-explanatory, so I hope you enjoy it. You were salt and vinegar fingers, feather light touches, a trail of heat, searing heat, enflaming, bleeding red lips, eyes sewn shut, choking down a sound that rises from somewhere you weren't sure existed, learning contours like an equation, sneaking touches in the car on the way home, hands dancing around each other, a game. A game of pretend. Pretending like we have no idea what we're doing. Pretending like we don't risk everything for five minutes alone together. Me sitting on the sinks, you on the windowsill. Launching into a conversation we've picked apart at the seams, rehearsed until it fell apart. Not even knowing we liked it. The flushed cheeks, the shaking hands, the game of pretend. Not even knowing why we're tangled up in each other's honesty. Why one of us is locking the door, the other closing the blinds. Why we force ourselves closer, spurred on by some kind of desperation. Using the wrong words on purpose. 
falling into a well-practised faux pas, making conversation without meaning to, so we get seconds more, taking what we can get, not thinking, just touching, making our numbered days feel like the last forever until finally we run out, tracing the same circles, kissing the same lips, wondering if this was really what I was waiting for, knowing nothing will ever be quite like this again. That was firsts. Um, I think that's kind of obvious what it's about, kind of first experiences with a person. Um, but that's one that I hold really close to my heart, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, the next one I'm going to read is called Can You Find These? Um, this is kind of odd little poem. Um, in my mind, it fits in with the collection, um, but it might not kind of on first glance. Um, it's actually about my experience in counselling, which is a whole other kettle of fish, really, when it comes to me writing about mental health so it kind of fits in with other themes that I write about but in terms of love it's also tied to um experiences I had with a person that were kind of um exacerbated um because of my OCD um so yeah it's a very personal one um but I would like to like to think that some people who've also been through counselling and kind of not found what they were looking for in there have kind of could kind of relate to this so this is called can you find these i stopped going to counseling because i couldn't answer this question if i could find them i wouldn't be here sitting in the same red chair looking at the same books on the same shelf dodging your eyes and filling the silence with something new because i couldn't bear to be asked to look inside myself again because i've done far too much searching and found far too few answers i can't find them Maybe they were never inside me, or maybe he took them away when I learned how to be scared of a thing that should have been safe. When I forgot what safety meant, and when minutes turned into hours, into days of being paralysed by everything he was and everything I wanted him to be. Can you find these? If I could, I would have stopped coming. But I can't, and I stopped coming anyway. Thank you very much. Um, The last poem I'm going to read is called An Empty Infinity. Um, I actually wrote this just after the start of coronavirus lockdown back in March 2020. Um, It was primarily about the fact that I lost, I didn't lose, but um, in a sense, I kind of physically lost um, some of my friends as a result of school shutting down and them leaving to go off to university. Um, It hit me really hard because um it was the first time I'd had to say goodbye to friends who were moving away that I was I wasn't going to see again because in the past I haven't really known that many people um to such an extent so um yeah it was really hard for me and yeah this kind of celebrates the fact that friendships can be really strong and powerful in your life and I don't know I find it I find it sad but interesting at the same time and it I feel like it also really made me appreciate the people that I have in my life because you never know when you're going to have to say goodbye to them so this is called an empty infinity do you remember when we didn't know our days were numbered the sun was out and we danced like it was forever goodbyes didn't stretch out like ever collapsing dreams perpetual unrelenting before's temporaries became today's permanence and we burned kindred spirits soulmates and everything we ever believed in seemed to come alight and dance among the trees, my heart and yours, intertwined, incandescent. 
Yet the world has paused its spin and its axis has rusted and we are frozen. Nothing but a microscope slide in this melted endlessness. An empty infinity. Thank you very much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed these poems. And if you're interested in reading the book, um, getting yourself a signed or an annotated copy, just drop me a direct message on my Instagram or Twitter, which are both at Katie Wright, but Katie has two eyes. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much to Damien for having me on his podcast. It's such a pleasure. And yeah, thank you very much. And just like that, it's time for another guest. Our next poet was shortlisted for the Bangor Literary Journal and Covis Poetry Prizes in 2018. Her first collection appeared in 2017 entitled Fording the Stream and her poems have appeared in many journals and pamphlets, including the Blue Nib and Impspired magazine. You can find out more about her from her blog at Greasley Cottage on WordPress. That's G-R-E-A-S-L-E-Y cottage.wordpress.com. Her poetry prose memoir of childhood is called The Road to Cleethorpe's Pier and her soon-to-be-released collection coming from the Hedgehog Poetry Press will be called Where Flora Sings. So I am thrilled to say here is Margaret Royal to read us some of her poems from this stunning collection. Hello, I'm Margaret Royal. Thank you, Damien, for inviting me to read a few poems from my forthcoming collection, Where Flora Sings. Two short ones to begin with. Dandelion clocks. Floating on air, these frayed threads of fairy weavers mark out the cruel passage of time. Old men's beards turned prematurely grey by life's relentless thrust, searching for a place to rest weary heads. A gentle lightning, a lifting of melancholy, the last hurrah as old father time calls final orders. Dragonfly. She flew into my cupped hands, her quivering wings spun from cloud silk, banishing the inky black maelstrom within me, rekindling extinguished flames of passion, long pulped to ash in a broken heart. Together, for a nanosecond, we tasted eternity. This final poem is called Resurrection of a Skylark and it was inspired by listening to Vaughan Williams' magical piece The Lark Ascending. Resurrection of a Skylark What if the skylark were reborn, fledged from within the breast of a Stradivari violin, attuned to the heartbeat of wildflower meadows? What if the violinist recaptured that simple bliss in the patchwork of vetch, 
clover, dock and oxeye daisy, breathing the petrichor of a post-rain evening. What if the orchestra returned, their musica dolce releasing fragile wings in tentative flight, surfing the rising currents, soaring skywards, trilling, trembling, trailing the cloud skein of a ripening summer, honeyed vibrato trickling earthwards in ritadando, a gentle enchantment. If so, then he might live again, fly again, my lover with wistful green eyes and hair like spilt sunshine. His soul might soar where the lark first sang affetuoso. Two hearts might beat in unison again, and the ending become the beginning, grief to joy. Would we not lie together in that same meadow, our love intact, untouchable? Da capo al fine. Thank you. And finally, it's time for our last guest and what hedgehog sharing of voices would be complete without our very own Lady K herself, Miss Venus in Hot Pink Marble, Gaynor Kane, the author of Memory Forest and of course her most recent collection, Venus in Pink Marble, Gaynor is the north to my east and we recently starred in our very first big screen extravaganza, Venus Eats the Storms, where Venus launched herself into everybody's bookshelf with the aid of this giggling storm, even if she had trouble staying on the bookshelf herself during the show. Bloopers are still available on YouTube. But humour aside, listeners, I give you Belfast-born poet Gaynor Kane. The linguistics of high-flying fashion. First, they were tongue-tied by men, the mechanics, fathers, boyfriends, husbands, body language bound, no free speech or lone flights. Patois pinched, clipped, nipped at the ankles, skirts clenched at the hem, pull tight bowed, forced to hobble in a geisha-like gait. Next came knickerbockers, convertible collots and quilted satin, the colour of Victoria plums, with a twirl it became a dress of discourse. Thick belts, Corset tight, wasp waisted women, but gradually, one syllable and flying vernacular at a time, they learned how to say goodbye to skirts. All right, at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that I would talk about a very special book coming out very soon. It is called A Page From My Life and is published by HarperCollins Ireland and is in aid of the Laura Lynn Children's Hospice here in Ireland. 
It is an anthology of short stories that was compiled by the Ray Darcy RTE radio show during lockdown when Ray asked people to write a 500 word short story about a day from their life. And the reaction was so good, thousands of people actually submitted stories. So they decided to turn it into this anthology, which will be released on the 29th of October this year. A perfect early Christmas present where you can be guaranteed the funds of which will be going to a fantastic cause. Check out your local bookstores for pre-orders. It is called A Page From My Life and also includes my short story and a comedy about Aldi no less. Okay, I'm now going to read the last poem of today's podcast and it is called Yellow Light and comes from my debut collection Eat the Storms, published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press. This poem speaks about the body and the limits to its elasticity. I never knew how far I could bend before I would break until I snapped before the sunrise before the yearning of the yellow light that found me longing looking for a lost breath in the back of a dark chest I had filled with every worry that wasn't mine. Even elastic knows its limit before it lies limp. Before it can't recall its own recovery. Before its tension rips it from its reason. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, that is a wrap. We have come to the end of another delightful episode packed with prickly hedgehogs, poetic, prophetic and practically perfect. I will, of course, be back next week. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, if you want to take part or if you want any more information on any of the featured artists, then just drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. Website is currently under construction, may even feature the possibility of some kind of a Eat the Storms journal at the end of the year. Time will tell. Okay, I am Damien B. Donnelly. This has been Into the Storms. You have been awesome. I have been amazing. Stay safe, stay well, wear a mask, wash your hands, and most importantly, stay bloody poetic. <laughs>